0: You're listening to Make the Sacred Shift, a fresh and powerful conversation on how to bring the sacred right into the heart of the messy and vulnerable human challenges we all go through in relationships, spirituality, health, and business, so we can shift into our full soul embodiment and quite literally change our worlds. I'm your host, Medicine for the soul and guide for visionaries, luminaries, and entrepreneurs. Joanna and Tara Zim join me for engaging soul conversations as I connect with the top voices on the sacred in relationships, spirituality, health, and business, on what it's really like to live from the sacred in the ways our soul calls out for most, and to shift our lives like lightning as we learn how to do it. It's time to make the sacred shift everywhere that most ask for it. The call for it is now, and here we are. Hello and welcome everybody to another episode of Make the Sacred Shift Podcast. Happy Monday to you all. I hope you're having a wonderful week and I am super excited today to bring you Stephanie Sinclair. If you all don't know her already, Stephanie Sinclair is a natural born medium, first recalling seeing spirit around the age of eight in Birmingham, Alabama. Since then, Stephanie went on to build a successful consulting firm, but Spirit kept calling her to do higher work. In 2010, Stephanie decided to acknowledge that this was more than just seeing Spirit and that there was greater work to be done. Stephanie went on to get a BA in metaphysical science as well as a diploma as a certified metaphysical practitioner. Stephanie has studied at Arthur Finlay College in Stansted, England, one of the best-known schools for medium development, as well as under internationally known mediums Paul Jacobs and James Ben Pra. Stephanie believes in two fundamental things. First, only the body dies, and the soul never dies. Second, time in this body is short. You should live your best life while you're in it. And Stephanie demonstrates that not only by bringing through spirit, by also sharing live your best life insights from spirit. She currently resides in Las Vegas, Nevada, is in a dual master's and doctoral program for metaphysical parapsychology with a focus on the study of supernatural abilities. In January of 2019, Stephanie stepped away from her lucrative consulting career to focus on building the America's Medium brand full-time. She hosts live pe- preview readings on Facebook several times a week, and this gives those new to Stephanie and her work a chance to preview her style. She also does one-on-one readings and travels the world hosting live messages from spirit events. Welcome, Stephanie. Thank you so much. Hi: for Today, Hello. Yay, super excited. Super excited. What a wonderful story. I always love reading people's stories because it just kind of sets the theme and the flavor and the felt sense. And you know, the main crux of this podcast is to really help share people's unique sacred genius with the world. And I believe everyone has a sacred genius. And because I believe the sacred is in everything. That if we bring that, that's one little way we can uh, shift the world and shift into greater happiness and peace and fulfillment. And of course, you have your unique sacred genius that you have been cultivating, we just found out, since the age of eight. And um, if you were to just share with our listeners, because a lot of people probably have questions about what exactly is a medium versus a psychic versus a channeler could you please share with people and define exactly um exactly what a medium does just so people were all on the same page here and have great understanding
1: yeah so I'm gonna do it in a couple ways because you named a few things you said medium versus psychic versus channeler so Mm -hmm. I'm actually going to do medium and channeler separate from medium and psychic so um the easiest way to say this is that a psychic reads the soul of those in the physical world, in the earthly plane, and a medium reads the soul of those in the spiritual plane. That's the easiest way. So a medium focuses on those whose physical bodies have already crossed over, uh, and the psychic, those who are in the physical body. Now, by default, by default, mediums are automatically psychics, but psychics are not automatically mediums. So it's really, and you need to know who you're going to. Okay, So if you need a medium reading, you make sure you're not going to a psychic, you actually need to find a medium, but you can work with a medium if you need psychic work as well. Now, here's the interesting thing that I actually didn't get to know until I got into this world, really exciting for me, but you know, these things excite me, is that the difference between, there's really not much of a difference between a medium and a channeler. Here's why because those that channel, they are mediums. Let's stick with me. So mediums connect with those in the spirit world. We instantly assume, when we think about spirit world, we think about our loved ones who have crossed over. We're not thinking about spirit guides and angels, but they're in the spirit world as well. And so when we talk about channelers, most of the well-known channelers, I'll just start with the one I feel like most people know right now, Abraham Hicks, very well known um, as channelers. I didn't know until I really dove into the world of mediumship and started studying and and knowing the nuances of it that they that they were mediums or that she is a medium. <laughs> wait, I'm like, wait, you know, Abraham Hicks things get confusing. Here's why, mediumship. There are three different types of mediums. Okay, you have an evidential medium, you have a trance medium, and you have a physical medium a physical medium is like the rarest and the one that I think people have the most skepticism over I've never seen a physical medium in person myself I've read tons of books and videos and things of that nature on them they're extremely rare um, physical mediums what that is is a medium that they're literally able to when they are bringing through your loved ones Their physical form begins to shift—the shape of their face, their nose. Uh Men who's bring through women, their fingers uh, will elongate to represent a nail. Um, It's it's really interesting and it's said that it's people plasm in the body now when i thought of ectoplasm i only thought of ghostbusters that's all i knew about ectoplasm until i kind of got into this that's a physical medium so the second type of mediumship is trans mediumship and it's the one um that we're familiar with with abraham hicks who is the most well-known right now person who who channels and basically what trans mediumship is is you allowing your conscious mind to move out of the way and allowing the spirit to literally come in and speak through you so the voice may change it may become high pitch but you're literally speaking as that usually trans mediums are um bring through spirit guides usually not always but usually hence abraham hicks and then Evidential medium, which is what I do. My job is to bring through evidence of um, the person who is in spirit world that their soul still exists and then bring through any messages that they may have to help you navigate through whatever you're doing in life or whatever you're preparing to do or whatever message they want to bring. It really just depends on the spirit. Um, Yeah. So when you ask the difference between a medium and a channeler, there really is no difference. You're literally still channeling spirit. And so mediumship is just a connection with the spirit world. So anything you're doing that's connected to the spirit world technically is mediumship.
0: I gotcha. So for you personally, you're an evidential medium, which means you help bring through evidence as you describe. And in that place in and of itself, what, What aspect of that do you feel is the most sacred that you're here to light up for people like inside of that? What is most sacred to you inside that evidential medium role?
1: Um, I would definitely say what's, what's most sacred is just bringing back or bringing through that um, confirmation. That's the word I'm looking for. Confirmation that even though, you know, someone you love in spirit world, someone you have this connection with, their physical body is gone. You can be sure that they're still there. They're still supporting you. Um, I've had many times where people's fathers uh, or brothers will come through and talk about having walked them down the aisle or they'll know that they're engaged and say they're walking them down the the aisle and those sorts of things. And so really that healing in that space, that space where a mother or a father gets evidence that their that their child who passed away is actually still there with them, um, playing with their new baby. Those sorts of things. That that's the most sacred area to me. Is providing that healer because that healing. Because in the end, I believe that I'm a healer. I mean, that's what I do. Um, even when we think about my past career, I, I help people heal. Um, finances through business and and now I'm helping people heal in a different kind of way
0: I gotcha and so you mentioned like this began around the age of eight you start seeing spirit how how did your how did that begin for you what what happened what was initiated in you what what events led to that can you share with us
1: yeah it I wish I had this like amazing story. It was the time that I first remember. I just don't remember before that time um, being in the third grade. Eight years old was the first time that I remember um, being in my bedroom and it's nighttime. The doors open and I saw a woman standing in my door. So it's the first time I was conscious of seeing things was that eight, but there was no... Um, specific event that happened that triggered it. It was literally that um, I noticed her. And that's the first time I can remember.
0: I see. And did that come with any challenges or obstacles for you? Because as you know, so often, you know, healers are initiated with dark night of the soul episodes or experiences where they have to go through difficult challenges in order to become the powerful healer that they're meant to be what would, would you say that there were yeah, so
1: so no I mean um mediumship runs in my family for the most part and so it's pretty and it tends to run on the on the female side of the uh, of um your family so generally if you have a gifting your mother or your grandmother on either side like, like someone had the gifting and it was The maternal side So at 8 years old, no As a kid, no, it was just something I saw Um, But I did have What I definitely would call a dark night Of the soul, which made me really step Into that Um, And that was a few years ago And without really going into too much detail I had a situation um, With a family member who um, um, Well, yeah Uh, I had a situation with a family member Who physically attacked me and after that situation, um, and just feeling unsupported with the closest people to me, instantly I just stepped into, well, why the hell am I hiding who I am? Like, I'm unsupported. You guys aren't here for me. Someone who's really close. To, like really close in my family physically attacked me and the people who are supposed to love me the most supported that person over me because I'm the mature one I have this business I should be amazing like she'll be okay like she can get therapy she'll be okay and I don't know something snapped in my mind and I was like wait let me stop hiding who I am to appease you so you're not embarrassed of who I turned out to be I am who I am yeah I talk to dead people get over it and it was like even though that dark night of the soul did not happen as a child at eight because it was just something that was there me stepping into it and saying yes to it was triggered by that moment
0: yeah wow that was just three years ago wow yeah it was three years ago and so when you went through that, which obviously was a huge part of your shift out of your consulting and into what you're doing now, and you went through all that, how did you make medicine? How did you make the medicine that you now carry and bring in, bring us into the world? How did you make medicine from that incident? Like what was, take us through your thought process, take us through your feeling process, take us through, you know, how you reconcile with that in order to make the medicine that you know from being eight years old that you were actually meant to carry in this world. Cause I'm sure there's somebody listening in your audience or my audience over this podcast gets in the hands of who has some ability somewhere and have experienced some form of what you're describing. I mean, it's an epidemic. It's being played out right now, left, right, and center everywhere. Cause we're all getting free from it. So it would be really helpful if you could share how you in particular made medicine from that incident and got through it
1: how did I get through it to be? So I am that person. You kind of got to just know who, who I am. I'm that person that if you, if something bad happens to me, whether it's a breakup or whether what it, whatever it is, I've always thrown myself into my work. It's just always worked for me. And so I would throw myself into my work and my work just got better and better and better. And so I have to say that from that incident my medicine was stepping into this calling like when i say it was the trigger it was it happened one week a week later i was like forget it this is what i'm doing a week later i announced it on social media that i would no longer be um a coach and consultant two months later i was in england
0: wow just
1: like that and so for me my healing really was being a medium and, and throwing myself into um, accepting my calling in that process. It just slowly started to heal me. Accepting that process slowly just started. To, like I thought I fully accepted myself, but I didn't. I fully accepted it, but I was still in hiding. I was hiding the woman that I am. I was hiding the woman that I was called to be. And it was just like that thing that felt so painful to me. Um, it was definitely the catalyst and mediumship and stepping into that calling was the medicine.
0: So Yeah. I think that what you just said there is so key to what so many of us go through. So, like, step one of the journey is we get an insight or a download of how we're meant to be or what the next version or chapter of our life is meant to look like. And then there's the huge journey from insight to embodiment, right? And mm-hmm. so, what you were just saying a moment ago about like throwing yourself into really accepting this new calling. How did you do that? Like, there are people that really struggle with that. They have an idea, right? They have a dream. They have a vision. They have a download. The embodiment process from insight to embodiment, that's a big journey. How did you do that?
1: Yeah, so I think really it's my personality. It tends to be that once I set my sights on something, I'm so focused, on what it is I want to accomplish or where it is I want to go that I'm not looking at what's next to me that could be bad. I'm not looking at the fact that, no longer am I looking at what people are thinking because remember this incident was the catalyst for me saying, fine, I'm not supported anyway. Let me just jump out here, regardless of what anybody thinks. And so no longer did the thoughts of anyone matter to me at this point. I knew that Stephanie really had to take care of and support Stephanie. And so really the process was easy because Oh, this is interesting. I feel that the anger around the situation propelled me and pushed me forward. I, I used the anger instead of bottling it up inside of me. I used it to propel me like a rocket. And so I was so focused on making Stephanie happy and being fully Stephanie and not caring what anyone thought. It, that was that was the thing the incident literally like a rocket like I was shot out of a rocket so nothing else mattered and so it made fully embodying and stepping into that easy now by the time this is the interesting part John by the time all of the things unfolded and you know I came back down to earth around it I realized you know what I need something deeper Um, I need something more. And so of course then I went and I got coaching and therapy around this this whole thing. But by then I had already stepped into mediumship for a full year at that point, it was already done. And so I was able to really heal and not have that anger, but I allowed that anger initially to be what propelled me. And
0: like, take us through a sample situation where you had stuff to get through. How did you actually in the moment use the anger as jet fuel? Well,
1: This is the thing. I never really, that's what I'm saying. I never really had a thing that popped up that I needed to get through. I was so focused on the end result. So what I think holds a lot of people back is they're so busy looking at what's going on around them. The anger kept me focused on what my end result was. The anger kept me focused on, I want to fully be known as this medium. This is the only thing I wanted to do. So nothing ever actually popped up
0: for me. So that's a real testament to the power and conviction and certainty of your vision, really, yes. is what you're saying. And you're yes. right. Most people don't have that. So then they're susceptible to like the outside to get in relationship through whatever stuff goes on with relationship to the outside world to actually formulate and get super clear and nail down on their vision. Is that what you're trying to say? That's
1: exactly what I'm saying. I was so Mm -hmm. focused on, on that vision. Remember though, the anger is what helps me get focused on the vision. But once I get on the thing, I'm something like fixated. I'm something like fixated when things happen, and so I'm so fixated on what the goal is I'm so fixated on on the end result that it doesn't matter what would have popped up sickness death anything it doesn't matter what popped up there is a goal, and I'm moving forward that forward with that and and um Napoleon Hill calls it definite of definiteness of purpose. And I would definitely say that anger is what fuels my definiteness of purpose. And I just stayed focused on that purpose.
0: That's really good information for people to hear because I think a lot of people really struggle with how to have not only the clarity of the vision, but then also the definiteness of purpose, also known as certainty. You know, to really hold that and not let any interference come in on any level from the outside in, including, you know, social media or family or whoever to take you away from delivering your desire, which is what you stated to become known as as this.
1: Right. Mm -hmm. And, and, you know, and, and this, I think this is something I've always known. And I think on that you're going to have a problem in this process. You're going to have a problem reaching any goal because that means the wind can blow and you're distracted. The wind can blow and you're throwing thrown off kilter and so usually the the truth is that I just hate to say it like this but this is the truth the truth is if you're constantly thrown off it's because you have not decided what you wanted and just been definite with it you have not there there was some wavering there you haven't fully committed because when you fully commit it really doesn't matter what happens you're in it to win it like how we're fully committed to this podcast and all these things keep happening, but we
0: keep pushing through, (laughs) right? Like it's fully committed, right? It's a perfect example because there is interference that can happen. We are susceptible to interference based upon our conditioning. Right. And so, yes, exactly. Yeah. And so, you know, how to be super creative and resourceful when there is interference is a really important medicinal tool to have so that each one of us can deliver our sacred genius really out into the world. Because there will yes. be, there will be interference. So I'm going to
1: give you examples with this job. Okay. So like what just happened with it? Like, first, it was the audio. I mean, first, it was the the visual. And then once we got that fixed, the freaking city comes and starts doing construction right outside of the studio, right? Now, think about this, right? It was so disruptive. If you could have seen my face in that moment, like, when it first started, I was like, wait, I hope she can hear it. But it kept getting louder and louder. And I'm like, oh, I know this has to be background noise. Now, what happens with most people, they have a calling, right? And they know this is their calling. And then here comes the city. Here comes the background noise. Most people wouldn't have said, let me be resourceful and let me move to a different spot. Let me shift the way in which I'm looking at this thing. Let me shift how I'm working. Most people give up and say, well, maybe it isn't meant to be. Maybe we shouldn't finish this podcast. You have to literally be the person that in life, it doesn't matter what comes to throw you off. If this is what you know your purpose is, you have to be willing to move forward and
0: be great. Yeah. Con- conviction of purpose and vision and embodiment with the certainty of that is so undeniable and non-negotiable, isn't it? Yeah,
1: it is. It definitely is. Yeah,
0: exactly. Because there will be interference. Everybody who has a unique Sacred genius, and everybody does have one. Um, you can't argue with me on that. Um, there will mm-hmm. be interference in the form of conditioning, and that conditioning will attract, you know, friends, partners, people, social media responses, whatever that will try to veer you off track if it can. But there's no good soul food in that, hey. so you're not going there. <laughs> and we shouldn't either. We shouldn't either. Um, Take us through, like, so. This has been going on now for. Have you been? Is it been two years now that you have been in the medium role?
1: Full time. Well, that I've actually been working in mediumship. I've actually been consciously working in mediumship for two years.
0: I see. And so, because of what you went through, wait, and before
1: you before you go, the interesting thing is, if you notice, I say consciously working in mediumship. Uh huh. When I decided to come, when I decided to come out as a medium. You won't believe how many clients was like, oh, Stephanie, we knew that. Like, I tap into that. I often do that when I'm working with clients, but I wasn't conscious of that's what I was doing. I knew I was receiving information, but I wasn't aware that it was coming from spirit guides and from the spirit world. And I've always
0: done that with my work. Um, How interesting is that? Gotcha. I gotcha. So in terms of that, I mean, that's just really, really, of course, it's like, it's not surprising, right? I mean, at least they're sitting over here, of course, like not surprising, Mm -hmm. because those of us who have that unique sacred genius, and who do get called, you know, it, it, before we consciously really claim it, it seeps through everything. It's kind of like what I was sharing with you before we started the, the podcast today. It's like, I've always had a huge love of working with couples in the area of love and sexuality. And, you know, intimacy and attraction and clearing up, you know, trauma and and having secure attachment and having parents have all the, you know, hot sex, love and intimacy they desire. Until I claim that it's been seeping through anyway, I just got done sharing with you that that's been the bulk of my 30,000 hours that I've worked with people, right? So it's gonna, it's gonna come out, which I think is just the most important thing for everyone to remember. It's probably if you're listening to this and you have been in denial of your sacred genius, it's probably coming out anyway, and that is a good thing. And so really, you know, what we can take away from this is it's got to be claimed, you've got to have your vision, it's got to be non-negotiable, and you've got to use all opposition and adversity and anger. In Stephanie's case, like she was describing, to be the literally the jet fuel that makes that happen for you. And so, so it's been two years, and so what would you say now is the is the biggest gift that you have received from claiming your mediumship, embodying it, and now working in it?
1: Oh, the biggest gift that I think I have received is really never working. And what I mean by that is um, my therapist because now like I was like okay now we need to get over the hurt of the situation I remember my therapist asked me who I was who was I and that was a really hard question for me um, because of course instantly I wanted to go to my career I'm this successful entrepreneur and I'm yeah it was like no strip all that away and who are you without what you do And for the first time, of course, I love business. I still love business. I still love helping women create and cultivate wealth. But who I am, without that, like, if you strip everything away from me, I'm still a medium. And for the first time in my life, who I am and what I do collide. They're they're the same. They're one and the same. Literally, what I do is who I am. And so... All I have to do in my work is be me. Nothing else. Nothing more. I can wake up and be Stephanie, and in the process of being who I am at the core, with everything completely stripped away, without a Chanel bag or Givenchy or Gucci, or all the things that's who I am. And, and I'm blessed to literally, I never really knew what that was. I remember hearing Oprah talk about, you know, never having to work a day in your life. They say, do what you love and you never have to work a day in your life. Let's be clear. I love business. I love being a business coach. I love helping women create wealth. But I did have to work. And like, I had to work. It was moments that Stephanie just didn't feel amazing. And Stephanie Still had to work, but in stepping into what I was called to be my full purpose, literally never have to work a day in my life because all I do is open my mouth and in the opening of my mouth, like in that process everything's taken care of and just me being me, me. And so I would say that's the greatest gift of really understanding what that is. That's past loving what you do. That is just being, and in my course of being mediumship is there. Just being
0: yourself, just being yourself.
1: Yeah. Uh, breathing, just breathing.
0: Yeah. So somebody who's listening today is wondering how can I do that? How do I go from knowing that I have a unique genius in the area that I think I have, that maybe people have told me about, that I enjoy doing, that i kind of known all along, but I haven't really admitted to myself fully, this is really the thing that I love, that lights me up like a Christmas tree, all of that. How do I, how do they go from where they're at mm-hmm. to where you're at now? How did they get to enjoy that biggest gift? Take them through a few steps that they could. They could do because, like, i am guarantee you there are people. I don't
1: even think there's a step. Yeah, I don't even think there are like that whole few steps. Now I'm going to give you an answer, and then I'll try to break it down into steps. The answer really is to do it, which seems so like that whole Nike "just do it" thing. It seems so cliche, but I am—I have always been a no BS, shut up, and just do the work kind of person. That's who I am because that's who I am, right? If we had to break it down in steps, the reason most people, and this kind of ties back to what we just said, is the reason most people don't shut up and just do it is because they don't even know what that looks like. What does that mean? They don't even know what they want. So I would say the first step is to decide what is that unique genius and what does it look like if you had to choose your dream life, your dream outcome, what does that look like? I feel like the clarity on that, or or rather the lack of clarity on that is what stops people from really moving forward and staying in this cycle um, of, of not getting the results they want. So that is literally the first piece. And then once they have that piece, then they can start doing the work. Once they have that piece, then they can move on to whatever um, the next step is. But the step is to decide what it is, and I guess add, say yes to it, and just start doing the work. Great example, I didn't know what was gonna be next, but once I decided I wanted to do this, I was like okay now let me reach out and do as many readings as possible and in the course of what 90 days I did something like 500 readings just because I wanted to get as much in as I as possible and to make sure I went crazy. But I did as many readings as possible. I didn't know what the steps looked like. Um, I didn't know what would be next past that. I didn't know how I would actually start booking readings. But I really do live by the idea that if you know what it is that you want, and you focus on what the end result is, look, the proposal pieces are going to start coming to you. Opportunities are going to start coming to you. And it's for you to say yes to a lot of opportunities you have to pay for. That's another thing. A lot of people don't wanna pay for these opportunities, but they're there. You may have to invest in order to get them to happen, but the opportunities will come to you when you're clear on what you want. Like, think about it. If you decide you want a specific car, all of a sudden, I promise you, you're gonna start noticing that particular car everywhere because that's the way it works when you decide what you want just the opportunity seeing it everywhere it's going to come up and so I started doing those readings then people started asking to pay for readings then ideas for different programs started coming I put it out there people jumped on it and it's just one thing has led to another and it's snowball effect so literally decide what you want And once you make the decision and you start doing the work instead of trying, once you make the decision and you start doing the work, then, then every, the doors will start opening for you. And at that point, it's up to you to just walk through them.
0: Yeah. This reminds me of Yoda's wisdom from Star Wars, you know, no try, do or do not do no try.
1: Right. I hate that. My, my 12 year old loves to say, I'm trying. I'm like, no, there is no try. You're either doing it or you're not. There's no in between. If you didn't do it, you didn't do it. So yeah, it's it's like that, that for us too. We always want to say, I'm trying to reach a goal, like reach it, get there, do it. Say what you want and move towards it, right? Like, I'm not trying to be America's medium. I am America's medium. I made that choice and decided to step into those shoes. This train for all the audience that's listening, I'm telling you, like, all of the background noise is just totally disrespectful, but it's not going to stop this interview. Like, I feel like we're tying up anyway, but just know Joanna and I are the type of people that we know what we want and we push through, regardless of the train whistles, the construction.
0: Like, we are making it through this interview. <laughs> and, and we will make it happen in spite of that, and it will be better because of that, and we'll, and, you'll, and you're enjoying that. Yes. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Thank you. Yes, yes, so exactly.
1: And this is what it looks like, though. I'm telling you, this is what it looks like for entrepreneurs or for people, period. People always want this smooth, easy ride. And I haven't found one that's smooth and easy. Like, in nothing that I've done, it hasn't been smooth and easy. I tend to flow. But there there has not been anything that I've done. It, it hasn't been some sort of obstacle for me to overcome, overcome it and just keep going, but it'll never stop me.
0: And the desire I think to, you know, to everybody to to engage in the thought form that says, oh, I want it to be smooth and easy. You already have an obstacle right there. You have an attachment to things looking a certain way and that's already a problem.
1: Yeah, exactly. Oh, and that's another thing. I guess non-attachment. Like humans in general, we are so attached to things happening a certain way. As long as I get my end result or better, I don't care how it happened. I'm open to all the different ways that God, universe, goddess, whoever wants to bring anything in my life. Like I'm so open to the way things unfold and the way things manifest in in my life because I'm, I'm not attached to it, and people do, they want it to be this step, this step, this step, but if it's not, a lot of times what our steps are, what we think the steps are, they're not actually the best steps to get where we wanna go, and so we have to realize we're co-creators in this process, and so if we're co-creating, there may be a better process in, in your process that you think, you may get derailed from that, like it may not happen quite like that, but you're going to get to what you want, you just keep it going, keep it moving,
0: exactly what what parting words do you have for people today what do people
1: need to feel like those last words Ah! (laughs) I'm like I feel like those last words were the parting words not even (laughs) consciously I feel like that's it that the parting words are whatever it is whatever your purpose is whatever you are called to do if you just really really get hold of that vision and stay really focused on what it is that you desire and you know you're called to do see the other part of that is a lot of times people get caught up on what they think they need to be doing not what they're really called to be doing we get we, we feel like the things that we desire are things that look good or impress other people and in that a lot of times things won't unfold the way That we desire or in the best way because it's not really what our heart's desire is anyway And so my parting words are as long as you stay focused on what your heart's desire is and what you're called to do Um in this soul in this your soul in this lifetime Then just keep moving don't allow anything to stop you and and if you're allowing yourself to be thrown Off course it's because you don't have that definite definiteness of purpose and that really is the key to everything once you're really definite in what your purpose is you move forth with that like there's nothing or tornado can't even stop you from doing what it is you need to do
0: (laughs) i love it but we're not calling
1: in any tornadoes right now no tornadoes. And I, this is the tornado area. So yeah, you're
0: right. <laughs> oh my gosh. Well, thank you so much for your time and for sharing with us all today. This is a beautiful offering to your community, to my community. And I'm really grateful for the experience of connecting with you like this. Thank you. You are so
1: welcome, and thank you so much for having me, and thank you for um, sitting amongst the distractions um, and being able to flow through it as
0: well. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for joining us on the Make the Sacred Shift podcast. If today's episode shifted your world or gave value to you, I'd love for you to leave us a quick review on iTunes. Make the Sacred Shift is a collective conversation of bringing all our divine qualities with fresh embodiment right into the human places we need it the most. If you're ready to break free from your current challenges and rise boldly into your full soul embodiment, visit me at MakeTheSacredShift.com for one-on-one coaching, group programs, sacred shift products and courses all curated to empower you to shift till you're all the way home until next time you're sacred your challenges and vulnerability are sacred and you're capable of shifting into love healing miracles and complete fulfillment embody your sacred self and shift into the soul-lit life you're meant to lead